You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hi, everyone. I am Martina Cunha, and you are listening to Backstage Talk. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Backstage Talk. Today's guest is an amazing performer. I have with me Sag Sermatidis. Sag was born and raised in Long Island, New York. He grew up with a family full of music lovers. He started singing at the young age of four with hopes that he would become the next Backstreet Boy. Am I right, Zach? I'm, I'm so surprised. How do you know this? What I, do do, I do my homework. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he got the theater bug years later. Uh, and he started playing in high school, middle school productions. He started with Fiddler on the Roof. And after years of playing old men in school plays, Sag decided to move to New York and pursue a BFA in musical theater at Pace University. He graduated a couple years ago. And then he got cast as Danny Nowitzki in the first national tour of Bandstand in 2019. So that's amazing. Uh, I love Pace. I think their program is amazing. And Zach, thank you for coming over. Welcome to Backstage Talk. Oh my God, thank you for having me. Uh, this is this is already the most fun I've ever had on an interview. This is already, uh, already. Although I, I wasn't expecting to get the full breakdown of my Bashery Boy obsession and Fiddler on the Roof and everything. So uh, kudos to you. Bravo. Bravo. So Zach... How and when did you know that you wanted to become an actor? Mm, okay, so I, I, I think my bug for acting and my bug for musical theater are separate things. Just like my bug for music and my bug for acting mm -hmm. are separate too. I had, you know... You know, I started singing when I was young, like you said, like and like you said, I wanted to be a Backstreet Boy really, really bad. And uh, and then as I got older, I learned how to play guitar, I taught myself guitar. And around the time I was teaching myself guitar, um, I was in middle school and I had a teacher by the name of uh, Barry Weiner, who is also a, a musical theater composer. He wrote a musical called Calvin Berger, for which he won the Cleveland Award, the Richard Rogers Award. I would highly recommend anyone uh, check out that musical. Calvin Berger is the name of it. Aaron Tveit was actually 
in it. It was one of his first gigs. Jeremy Jordan, that was one of his first gigs. Check it out. Sidebar. Got to shout out my my mentor because he's he's pretty much the guy who got me into musical theater. He uh, recognized that I liked to entertain, and he suggested I audition for the musical, which was Fiddler on the Roof in sixth grade. And um, I auditioned, and I got cast as Tevia. Uh, and I was 11 years old. So it, that was a hell of a first uh, role for an 11-year-old. I did find out uh, in a book called Actors on Actors that Mandy Patinkin also played uh, Tevia at 11 years old as well. So um, that's kind of a fun fact because I, I really enjoy him. But anyway, I digress. I got um, – I did, I did feel on the roof and I really enjoyed it. Um. But even then, it was Fiddler on the Roof and the musicals up to a certain point just felt like an opportunity for me to sing, an opportunity for me to be on stage. I wouldn't say I got like the acting bug yet. It was, I just like to perform and be a ham. And I, I lived for the applause, like Lady Gaga says. And um, <laughs> it wasn't until I think a couple years later, like sometime in 2009, when The Dark Knight came out. Um, I'm a I'm a big comic book nerd, um, and Heath Ledger's performance in in The Dark Knight really I don't know what it was, but it really did a number on me. It really mm -hmm. get it got me really interested in acting. I think all the mystery behind him passing away and how great he was in the role and winning the Academy Award for that, I was so enamored with him, and uh, that was when I started to take acting a little bit more seriously, I got into guys like Brando and Dale Day Lewis, Robert De Niro, all those Leonardo DiCaprio, all the great film actors of our time. And so I got really into acting. And then just like musical theater was there for me to provide like an opportunity for me to sing. Now musical theater was, was there. It provided an opportunity for me to act now too. So musical theater just kept popping up into my life because it provided these two things I really loved to do, which was sing and act. And as I got older and older, once I finally got to high school and I started thinking about going to college, I had to sit down with myself and figure out what I wanted to do. And I said, well, I love singing and I love acting. Mm -hmm. and in musical theater, I could sing and I can act. So I, but the only thing was I didn't know any musicals other than the ones I was in. I, I wouldn't call myself a theater nerd, even still. I mean, like, I know my fair, I could shoot, you know, the stuff with anyone who knows about theater, but I wouldn't call myself a aficionado. There are people who are way more advanced than I am. And because of that, I, I needed like a quick crash course in, uh, in theater. So I went to this uh, program on Long Island called the Long Island High School of the Arts, um, which is like a half day theater program where, you take a bus and you pretty much are trained in theater. And that's where I learned what like every musical ever was instead of the ones I knew. And I was so behind and uh, I learned what like a 32 bar cut was a 16 bar cut, what a monologue was, how college auditions go, what a dance call was, what Leducas were like. I didn't know any of this. I did not know any of this. And um, I worked really hard and I auditioned for a bunch of schools and pace was pretty much at the top of that list. And, uh, I got a phone call sometime in April, I think, or right before that, March, that I got accepted into PACE. And then from then on, it was just like, 
all my whole all my whole time at Pace was like I was deep into theater. Like I lived and breathed um, musical theater at that time. So, uh, so yeah, that that's pretty much what got me. I forgot the question. What got me started? Into, <laughs> <laughs> what got me started into theater? So yeah, so what got me started into theater was kind of like this uh, domino effect of like me liking music, mm-hmm. and then me liking acting, and then me liking to perform, and then it became before I knew it, I was in musical theater. So everything kind of turned out all right. It had to be that way. It yeah. couldn't be any any other way. So you graduated Pace, and what happened bef- in, in between that and landing your role in Bandstand? Oh, yeah. So when I graduated Pace, um, I, would love to, I, I would love to talk about this because I feel like this is something that... Um, A lot of young actors, myself included, because I'm still a young actor. I'd like to think so. I mean, I just turned 25. But uh, a lot of people graduating college, I think the year the year post-college is a very, very strange year for everyone, mm-hmm. especially actors, because the scale in which you can succeed is so – succeed, I'm putting in quotes for the listeners – the scale in which you can succeed is so vast. You know, we know people who, before they even graduate, have booked the national tour of Hamilton or are going to be making their Broadway debut in a new musical. And then we know people who, once they graduate, say, I don't know if theater was for me to begin with, and I'm going to go get my master's and something else and and do something. And then there are people, and then there's everyone else in the middle who falls in between that, people who are auditioning and working or auditioning and not working or just like hustling or doing whatever, working on side projects, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in that boat. And uh, I was, when I graduated, just like a lot of people in a lot of programs, I think like a lot of people get fed like um, a certain thing. Uh, I was, you know, being told like, oh, don't worry, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. But the year post-college, uh, I, I, I really struggled as far as, um, I think one mental, my mental health was struggling because I was really hard on myself for like not booking immediately. I felt like I had to, I felt like I had to follow this trajectory of uh, like people, friends who have graduated before me who kind of like graduated, booked something, booked another thing, Broadway, there they go. And I felt like I was running behind. I felt like I was, yeah, I felt like I was late to the party or that I wasn't good enough to like follow that same Uh, trajectory because I was going for auditions and things I thought I was good for and things I thought I would book in a heartbeat, you know, actor, musician stuff or roles that I worked, I've already played and I wasn't even getting called back. So I was uh, quite, I was quite upset. Uh, there was even one audition where like I went in for a casting director who I know really, really well is mm-hmm. uh, like a friend of mine and um, butchered the audition butchered it and I left and it was for a show I wanted to do uh, I really wanted to do and uh, I left the audition and was just crying on the subway because I was like man oh man like I thought I was supposed to be I held myself to such a high standard and I I just I kept getting in my head I kept not working hard enough and uh, I was really struggling I was really really struggling uh, and I think it was because I was trying to set 
goals that weren't mine. You know, I was trying to do what other people did instead of doing what I was, what, what I wanted to mm -hmm. do. And uh, I, I kept finding it that my favorite thing to do at that time was uh, be a member of my band. I have a band called uh, All My Sons, which is based named after the play, the Arthur Miller play. And uh, it's me and a couple of my buddies from, from college, uh, Nolan Lunsford, who is a great actor, songwriter, and say, uh, Danny Scandura, who is uh, also a great actor, songwriter, uh, singer, um, and my buddy from home, Liam Cashin, uh, John Coyne, great writer, singer, actor, and Corey Jacoma, who is, uh, was on in beautiful, uh, one of my best friends. Uh, we were in a band and we were gigging across New York and I kept finding that having that creative outlet, like really saved me. Um, because I, as artists, we need something creative to be doing. Whether it's acting or being in a show or writing or painting or whatever, you name it. We need to be creating something. It's, it's our life force, right? So being in the band really, really put me in a good creative mindset. And uh, being, like, uh, being like the one of the lead singers and writers of the band like forced me to like be really engaged in the creative process. And... With that came a lot of things that eventually bled into Bandstand, um, which came along around uh, February, I think. Um, and it was kind of like a, a um, I guess I'm rambling on now, but, <laughs> but pretty much that was, that was my time in between. I was stressed auditioning. And the only thing that was working out for me was, uh, was my band the band but yeah. i love it i mean for me and during this whole pandemic almost two years this podcast has been my artistic outlet so i understand completely and obviously i graduated college like my first program um, in november 2019 and my other program september last year like i graduated in the middle of the pandemic so wow. i understand that like the stress and that weird first year post-college feeling. Um, mm. And also yeah. like creating very high expectations for what we want to do and more as artists. So I totally get what you're saying. And I think it's amazing that you have created this podcast. Uh, I think it's worth saying. I, I think it's so incredible that you have, taken your uh, artistic artistic uh, integrity like by the handles and like just said i'm gonna create this thing and i'm gonna do it and i think that i think so many people should learn from you like how how special that is that you kind of cultivated this dream for yourself you said i'm gonna do this and now you're doing it so like that inspires me a ton and i hope it inspires all your listeners thank you so much yeah um, of course Going back to your band, are you are the boys still together? Ah, yes, good question. Um, technically, no, um, but technically, yes, too. <laughs> I mean, it's like so we are like spread across the country right mm -hmm. now. Um, Nolan is in Oregon, where he is from. 
Um, I'm from New York, but I'm currently living in Austin, Texas. I'll be moving back to New York at the end of the month, at the end of uh, August. Uh, my buddy Danny uh, lives in Dallas, but he's not – he's doing his own thing. And then Liam is um, on Long Island, and Corey is in Chicago shooting a new TV show, 40, 4400. Um, and – John, I have no idea what John is doing. I have no idea where he is or because he doesn't use any social media. So I have no idea where he is or he's probably creating something brilliant. Um, but yeah, um, but I was talking to Nolan and uh, he might be moving to New York again sometime soon. Um, so if he's back, then maybe him and I will rev up the, the band again and uh, – that would be really great because that was a whole lot of fun. It sounds like, and you better do that. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, okay. I'll make sure we do. <laughs> so going back to the national tour, how did you land that gig? Yes, okay. Yeah, I figured that was going to be the next question, so I didn't <laughs> want to go into bandstand right then. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so how did I get bandstand? So I was working on my job. And uh, my day job at the time, I, I make I was making protein shakes at a like fitness class. And uh, while the class was going on and I wasn't making any shakes, I was like on backstage or Playbill, I think it was. And I had saw that there was a posting for Bandstand National Tour. Now, just a week ago from that point, I had kind of, you know, it was in the down and out of it, you know, this that horrible audition I had was about two weeks before that. So I like went home. I like spoke to my parents about like where I was at, like spoke to my therapist. Like I was very, very down and out about everything. And I kind of like had to come to the conclusion that's like, I need to manifest the things I want career wise. I can't just go in. I, I have to like what you did with your podcast. I have to, I have to do for myself. I have to kind of cultivate it myself. I have to, if there's something I want, I can't just assume I'm going to get it because I have this skill set. I have to work hard at it. Mm -hmm. I have to do whatever it is I can. And I'm only, and I, and the projects I want to do, I have to treat them like I want to do them. I can't just go into them and like half-ass an audition or like, you know just because oh i had too much work or I had too much of this i have to like put in the work and like the things i care less about can sacrifice for the things i want mm -hmm. bandstand comes along and i kept when i saw bandstand come along the audition all i could think about was the first time i had seen the show i'd seen it my senior year of college with my dad right before my senior year it was like the day before classes started And I was like enamored with Corey Cott. I, I mean, I was enamored with the whole show, but I left the theater going like, this is exactly what I want to do. This role, this show, it's like a rich and beautiful story with actor musicians. And the character is, 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 I used to say it's an actor's playground and it sounds like super pretentious, but like the character is so much fun to play. I mean, He has, he's, uh, the writers have done such a brilliant job of creating this, this character. 
I mean, all the characters in that show are fantastic, but Donnie is just like, man, I, I was just like, there's so much to play with. And Corey Cott did such an incredible job. Mm-hmm. And I left the theater, me and my dad are driving back home to Long Island. I'm like, dad, that is like everything, everything I want to do, like right in front of me. And I kept finding it that it was like weirdly like meta because like in the show, like Donnie, like here's that, there's a radio contest and he kind of says like, this is my shot. I saw the Bantan posting and went, oh my God, this is my shot. And then I was on, I was on the subway listening to Donnie Nowitzki, the first song, just going like, holy crap. Like this, like this, this feels right. Like I have to get this. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it's like now or never, like this just feels right. Obviously it's not now or never. I wasn't that dramatic, but I was like, (laughs) (laughs) but I was like, Oh my God, this like, this feels like a sign. Like I need to go for this. Like I, this is something I want to do. So one audition led to another, led to another callback, led to another callback, led to another callback. Like, and I just get kept, kept getting callback, callback, callback. And then I got this one phone call from uh, our director, Gina Radden, uh, who I was, uh, I actually worked with in college and who actually worked with Trent, who you interviewed <laughs> just a couple of weeks ago when he was talking about he was assistant directing Jesus Christ Superstar, I was in that Jesus Christ Superstar. Yeah. I okay. Was in that. Yeah. So Gina was the director, Trent was the assistant, and I was in that show. So that's how Trent and I know each other, also aside from us just being, you know, from Pace as well. But that was the first time him and I worked together too. But Gina was uh, setting the show, um, setting bands, and she gave me a call and she was like, can you come in and do like the whole show? <laughs> So, and I was like, sure. So they sent me every song, like every scene, everything. And I went into the room and did almost the whole freaking show. I did like three scenes, five songs. They gave me a coach, like a vocal coach. And pretty much what that was is I think this is a common thing for young actors who like don't have like, you know, a particularly like, like bigger role to their name. Cause at mm-hmm. the time this, this was, I mean, still to this day, the biggest thing I've ever done. But at, before that, I really had only had like maybe a couple of bigger gigs. Like I did Jack Kelly at Cortland repertory theater. And, but that wasn't enough to justify me leading the national tour. I, but this was my big break. So they were like, the producers just want to see if you could handle it. <laughs> <laughs> Which wasn't nerve wracking at all. Like at all. <laughs> Yeah, no pressure. The producers just want the people who, you know, are paying all the money. They want to see if you could do it. <laughs> so, so, um, so I went in and I did it. And then, and after as soon, I, and then the next day was a Friday, and I got a phone call from my agent after my job. They're like, "You booked it," and uh, I just cried a lot. And then, like, walked over to my other job and called Gina and. My girlfriend came to my job and I told her I got it. And I went to my parents' home on Long Island that night. And I was like, can you read this to me? Like, read this email? And yeah, and they started crying. It was like a big, big weepy fest. Like, my mom was weeping and my dad was weeping. I was weeping. It was a, it was a big deal. It felt like it was a dream come true. It was a dream come true. 
And I love it. I, I, I actually got very excited and emotional just listening to this story. Um, I mean, it's... This is just the start of your big break. Like, I know this. Deeply down inside myself. So, bigger things are coming. Oh, I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. I uh, I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope you're right. You started... Well, band, the tour launched... And how was that experience touring with a company? Oh God! I mean, it's a, it's a. I mean, I can, I mean, I can only speak for what our tour was, because um, I've, I've, you know, I've never done another tour before. But I can tell you from that experience that it was probably the best time of my life, particularly because of how special the show was how special the fans of that show are and how special our, our cast and crew were. Like I, I actually just FaceTimed. We had like a, I have a group chat with all the guys in the band, uh, in the Donnie Nova band. And we pretty much talk every day. And last night we had like a group zoom where we just kind of caught up and like, said what we were up to and like Ben who played Davey is like moving and Lou just who played Wayne is back in New York and Mooch who wasn't there. He's doing his own thing. He's doing second act snacks, which I'm sure you're familiar with. So yeah, he's doing second act snacks with Taylor. So he's off doing that. Uh, John Michael's getting married and Scott just shaved his beard. Like there's like, <laughs> there's like all kinds of silly stuff, but back to, back to the tour. Um, uh, now being on a tour like that was a lot of work. We mm -hmm. only had two weeks of rehearsal and then a week of previews and then we were open. So it was, it was essentially a month of uh, hard, 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 hard work. And this show is not easy on any front. Musically, the music is really hard. The scenes are dense, you know, it's not like a walk in the park for actors. Um, it, you know, it's, it's, it, it deals with heavy, heavy subject yeah. matters, PTSD, trauma, grief, you know, real, real heavy duty stuff. And you have the expectation to honor that stuff because the the show is about, you know, veterans. Mm -hmm. There's an expectation to honor the people who have lost their lives, who have served. Um, so you have to treat it with the utmost respect. And the dancing is ridiculous. I mean, it's Andy Blankenbuehler, you know, three-time Tony winner. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's no joke. Um, luckily enough, I got to hide behind the piano. Um, so, so I didn't do too much dancing. But... Um, uh, it's a lot of work. So we had, we had to really drill it really, really quickly. Um, but we got it up on its feet. Uh, and then we did previews in Oklahoma city and then we opened up in Texas and, and then touring is hard. You know, there's a lot of times where, uh, especially like tours like bandstand. Um, we had a lot of like, you know, nine show weeks, you know, one nighters, things like that. where like, we we're just going back to back to back to back to back. And, uh, you have to kind of conserve your energy, you know, pick your battles, mm -hmm. um, which is hard to do because I think, I, I think there's, uh, we've kind of, especially in the theater world, we've, we've, we think, I think cast recordings have made us believe that like every performance is the studio quality one where in reality, that's just, it's just simply not possible. Mm -hmm. Like you have to, in a, in a, in a recording booth, you could give it your all on every take because you could, you could span out when you're going to sing the next song versus in a show, you know, you have to go, well, 
man, I, ha- I have a show later today. So I have to, I have to take care of myself. I have to eat right. I have to work out right. I have to do whatever it is that gets me there. Um, but, um, but so, so you do it and, uh, and it was a lot of work, but man, was it fun and man, was it special. And, uh, and the best thing was the fans. Like the best thing was, uh, going out and speaking to people who's, who really connected to the show, speaking to people who, um, uh, like the, uh, like to get, I'll, I'll tell you my favorite story from, from, uh, please do uh, from the tour. Um, so we opened the show and then, uh, we opened the show in Texas and then we did a week at the national just to, it was early. It was literally the beginning of March. So it was right before we closed for COVID. And, um, this, uh, this woman and her husband, this woman's name is Patty Benner. She came to see me, see us at the national. She came to see me at the stage door and she came up to me and she said, I, I, my dad was a, was a vet and we lost him a couple uh, months ago. He passed away. And I felt like seeing the show and seeing you in the show, you reminded me so much of my dad. And I felt like I got to say goodbye to my dad. I'm getting choked up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I cry a lot. All, all my, everyone who listens to this, who knows me is going to be like, Oh, here he goes again. Um, but, uh, she said, I felt like I got to say goodbye to my father. And that just moved me so much. The next day, it was a matinee performance. And she came to see the show again with her husband. And she gave me her dad's dog tags, gave me her father's dog tags, and said he would want you to have these. And I insisted. I was like, there's no way I could take these. Like, this is like your family. She was like, no, we have another pair. You should have them. Uh and I, uh, there's, and, and that's just, uh, that's just my favorite story. You know, there's like, there's so many, like, uh, this veterans group in Huntsville, Alabama named bearded warriors sent me this incredible message about how accurate the show was probably, and how it was their favorite show they'd ever seen. And we spoke with world war two veterans in Huntsville, Alabama, and, hearing from veterans or people who knew who had siblings or, 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 or loved ones and talking to people with taps, which is the organization we worked with. Um, taps came to see opening night at, a at, at the national. And, uh, I got to speak with them, you know, parents of people who passed away, you know, in fact, the last show, um, we, I spoke to the parents of a man who passed away when he, when he was about my age. Uh, fighting, fighting for the country. And uh, man, it, that's the stuff that made the tour. And me and my co-star, uh, Jennifer Elizabeth Smith, it, you know, we, from the get-go, like always reminded ourselves, like how lucky we are to be here. You know, like n- we never, I'm very proud of that. And I'm very lucky to have had her by my side as my co-star and like my partner throughout that whole thing. Cause she, she's that kind of person who brings out the best in you. And she always said like, we're just so lucky. Like we get to do a show that's this rich. Like every actor's dream is to do a show like this palpable and like this meaningful. Uh, and we get to do it every day. And even on the worst days where it feels so hard, we're still the luckiest actors in the world. Cause we get to be doing the show. 
And all the things I just said were the reasons why the cast, the fans, the, the material itself, the experiences of being on tour, the silly nights in, in the hotel rooms and stuff like that. Like that, that was, that was my experience on tour. Like it was just, it was just the ball, man. It, 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 it was a blast and it was very, very, very hard, but it was, you know, the best couple months of my life. I, I just love the memory you just shared because this is what I love about theater and especially about musicals is we transform lives and we, we make a change that as performers, most of the time we don't get to see, but when we do, we know that we, we can go every night to bed saying or feeling that we've done a great work and we've we've done everything we can to make this world a bit better mm. and i just that's, love it that's beautifully said that is beautifully said i have one question for you for young performers that want mm. to spend their lives storing what is your best advice in terms mm -hmm. of what because you you just shared that touring is hard it takes a toll on your mental health on your physical health you have to have a routine for recovery and just to keep doing our craft every mm -hmm. single night maybe nine ten eleven times a week What is your best advice for young performers? Mm. You know, I saw, you know, that you were going to ask this question. And like, this is the one I really had to sit down with. Like, and I've really tried to put myself in like, just like, what would I tell myself at the beginning of tour now? You know, if I could go back in time and say like, hey, this is what I would say. Um, but even beyond touring, like something I think that's really important, important for actors And, and young actors, especially like as they grow up. And I think all actors really, I think, and I kind of touched upon this a little bit with like the cast recording thing, but I think we as a whole have become really consumed with like other performers and saying, whoa, they have something special and I want their special. Mm -hmm. I want what makes them special. But the thing that makes whatever performer you like, you know, Patty Lapone, Mandy Patinkin, you know, uh, 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 Jesse Mueller, you name it. The thing that makes them special is them. Is the fact that they own themselves i spent so much time in college and post-college and sometimes now and before before college in high school trying to be the next uh bradley cooper yeah. jeremy jordan uh cory cott trying to be the next hugh jackman But there's already a Bradley Cooper, Jeremy Jordan, Corey Codd, Hugh Jack. There's already, those, those people already exist. 
And the reason they exist and the reason why they work and the reason why what they do is so compelling is not because they transform into other people. It's because they bring themselves to their work. So the thing I wish I knew about myself, instead of trying to like go into vocal lessons and be like, how do I sound like Stephen Pasquale? Like, you know, like I think, I think every, every musical theater actor has, has done at some point. Yeah. <laughs> um, like there's so many things about me, Zach, that are special, that makes, uh, that makes a role I play interesting and fun. I actually, I don't want to say interesting that makes the role I play unique and compelling because I'm bringing me to it. Now I'm just using different parts of me because we could, as actors, that's all, all we have is us. We don't have external, I can't, you know, you know, like a costume can help, mm -hmm. but all the only tool I have is me. Yeah. So what I would say to young actors is like, the thing that makes you special is you. It's not the, it's not like trying to become someone else. It's not trying to be like, like people tell me all the time, like I, I do some coachings and they're like, oh, I want to be like this actor or this actress. It's like, no, 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 no. They already exist. You are special. You, I, like what, how do you feel? How would you react this way? How would you sing this song? Like, you know, just because this person sings really high doesn't mean you have to sing really high mm -hmm. because you might sing it not as high, but you might bring an authenticity to that song that no one has ever seen before, that no one has ever seen before. And that is what makes theater special. That is what makes theater special. You, your own authenticity, that's what makes it all special. So that's something I would say to any, any young actor is the, th the thing that makes you special is you. So the last thing you wanna do is water yourself down and like choose something and try to be someone else to go into an audition and be like, I need to sound like the cast recording or I need to sound like, you know, this actor that they hired before. It's always better to be a hundred percent you than, than anything else. And at least if you were authentic in yourself and you don't get the role or you don't, you know, get to that college, at least you were you the whole time. At least you were true to yourself. At least you brought your own spin to it. Like, let's say, you know, you wanted to go, you wanted to try the character this way. At least you said, you know what? I went with my gut and I went with my heart and I went with my artistic, you know, creativity in, in my head and I went for it. And just, and they may have not liked that, but they mm -hmm. might like the next, the next one. Yeah. So that's what I would say. Like, to thy own self be true. I'm speechless. <laughs> Oh, that man. that was, yeah. I think a lot of people in our industry need to hear this, and 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 more than hear it, use it as a live motto or maybe a a, a slap of reality when we are auditioning or when we are when we are double guessing ourselves, and, and yeah. that was beautiful. Oh, yeah. I mean, comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. You know, like the, the more and more we compare, uh, compare ourselves to, you know, other other people, like we'll like we'll just we just we hurt ourselves. We're just hurting ourselves. You know, when like 
there's nothing, you know, every person is special in their own way. So it's, it's better to highlight those things. And I think we're starting to see a little bit of that. I think we are starting to see more, more actors. Embracing lost, themselves. Embracing themselves mm -hmm. in any which way, you know, whether it's, you know, like, you know, like, uh, like, like non-binary actors, like being comfortable in themselves to say like, I can play any, any rich role. And like, you know, like, I think the casting conversation that has been being had, like, mm -hmm. how do we cast things? I think I'd like to think we're moving in a really positive direction there. Um, we still have a long, long, long way to go, but I, I hope that we continue to grow and like, we continue to question ourselves and say like, how, what is the best way we could bring authenticity? Mm -hmm. And instead of, and I think people at the top producers and casting and directors, they need to, they need to have the conversation with themselves and go, well, why do the thing that's always been done when we could get something new, fresh and authentic, something and a perspective we've never seen before. Like think about all the amazing art, like, more voices is only going to produce better art. If we get more voice voices from, you know, queer writers, uh, writers of color, women writers, like the more voices we get, the more room for authenticity we're going to get. And it, mm -hmm. it, and it's just, I, I dream of the, the world where Broadway is just full of like a million stories instead of just the same old stories we hear. And I think it starts with us as actors not being afraid and taking the risk to say, like, I am who I am and I'm going to bring myself to this role. I love it. I love it. I have a surprise question for you before oh we God. close. Okay. At the beginning, you said you weren't a theater nerd when you were young, but you got a couple of months, maybe years to catch up. So... Mm -hmm. Top five favorite musical theater shows. And we already know that Bandstand is the first one. Yes. Yes, Bandstand is definitely up there. Um, let's exclude Bandstand because I feel like it's unfair because you know, I've done it. Okay. Okay, favorite shows. Um, okay, 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 okay. Okay. I love... I'm a... I, I am a unapologetically a huge Les Mis fan. I know it's like, I know, I get it. <laughs> at, at, you know, Les Mis has kind of become like a meme in itself. You know, it's just so over the top. But the other day I was watching it and like, there's not a bit of Les Mis you can't just hum. Like yep. every bit. A dun -da -dun, da -dun -da -dun -da -dun -da. Like everyone knows what that is. Like everyone knows it's Les Mis. It's brilliant. I love Les Mis. Um, Sunday in the Park with George, I, I think is just one of the best shows ever. Um, once, that's a that's a show I've always wanted to do as you know as a guitar player. Like that's yeah. something I've always wanted to do. That's three. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm trying to think of like songs I listen to on repeat from from show. I mean, yeah, Hamilton's got to be up there too. Like. I'd be a fool to like not to say because Hamilton is just so great. Um, favorite music. I'm trying to think of like times I've sat in the theater and gone like that was the best thing I've ever seen. Oh, great comment. 
uh, was was one of the best things I've, I've ever seen. Was that five? Yeah, but if you have another one in mind, go ahead. Uh, 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 I'm I have a lot of guilty pleasure musicals. Like I think the, I think the the best musicals are the ones that are like, like it's kind of corny to like them because, <laughs> like Wicked and Les Mis and and uh, and you know Phantom even like I think those shows are like people go like oh come on like, you know like those those shows are so you know whatever. But like I think there's a reason there's a method to that madness. Like there's a reason why Wicked like probably won't ever close. Like it's brilliant, mm-hmm. you know. I, I think it's great. Um, obviously, like the classics I love. Oh, like West Side and uh, Oklahoma and Carousel. Um, yeah, I, I guess I just named like nine musicals, so I kind of cheated. But uh, but if I had to pick like a top three, it's Les Mis once and and uh, 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 Les Mis once and Sunday in the Park with George. Those are my favorites. I love. And it. then after that, it's like a, a tie. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Zach, where can people find you? Yes, you could find me um, on Instagram at at Zach Zaro Z A C K Z A R O. Um, that's where I am on Instagram. I just started a TikTok, um, which has been a a strange endeavor. I feel very, very old on TikTok. Uh, at, at the ripe old age of twenty five, I feel like a old, old. I like it. It took me four hours to make a TikTok the, like a week ago. So, if you could please go over to my TikTok, which is at Zach Zaromatidis, which is Z A C K, and then. Z-A-R-O-M-A-T-I-D-I-S. I know it's a mouthful, but hey, we all have to get used to it together, right? Yeah. Um, we, we all have to bear through it. Trust me, I didn't choose it. Um, <laughs> and uh, I have a YouTube account now where I've been posting my same TikTok stuff, uh, which is if you just type in my name, Zach Zaramatidis, you just rewind the podcast if you need to spell it again. Um, uh, and... Yeah, and then as far as things coming up, I'm uh I, I mean I should be doing this '80s concert down here at the Zach Theater. It's called the Zach Theater, spelled with the H, not with a K. Um, and then I'm back in New York to see what the next thing in store is. Maybe it's my band. Maybe it's a another show. We don't know. Who knows? Um, I, I won't say anything, but who you never know. Um, and uh, yeah, that's where you could find me. And uh. Any questions for young actors? I'm always here to help. I do I do coachings. I do guitar lessons and stuff. Um, so feel free to message me on Instagram. Um, if you need a little pep talk, I'm always here. Uh, that goes for you too, man. Uh, don't be a stranger. And uh, yeah, that's uh, that's all I got. And you can also go to my agent's website. You know, just look up my name. Which I think that's where you got my stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Bingo. I knew it. I was like, where? I was like. I was like, that's how you knew about Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah. I think once I heard the old men thing, I was like, I totally said that in my my agent bio. <laughs> that that's totally it. Yeah, that's yeah. part of research. <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Kudos, kudos to you. It took me this whole podcast to figure it out. <laughs> well, Zach, thank you so much. I've I've loved your advice, your words of wisdom. Oh, oh and. 
I, I cannot wait because I know great things are on your way. So thank oh. you so much for being over. Thank you so much for having me, man. I really, really appreciate This has been a blast and best of luck. Like I said, you should be so proud of yourself for this amazing podcast. You know, backstage talk is like, I feel like just, I, I remember you following me like a couple months ago and then I checked back and like all, you had all these people you had interviewed already and like the quality of your podcasts are so high. Like I think... I, I think the same of you. I think I think this is just the beginning of a very, very long career for you. So I'm happy we met now. Thank you so much. Of course, of course. This has been a real pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of Backstage Talk. Remember to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Backstage Talk Podcast. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.